0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The conservative review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots standing at the ready to fight anew as we head towards July 4th for our life, our liberty, our property. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, here at Blaze Media, always here to guide you towards where the puck is skating, not towards where it has been. And I think therein lies the difference between this show and every other show, my frustration over where this phony conservative movement is always focused. Notice the trend that we seem to be more than ever turning the corner, advancing on yesterday's battles. On issues that the left, maybe their schleppers in the street will fight about and get naked in the streets about and yell about, but their strategic thinkers have long moved on to transhumanism to literally controlling our body, mind, and soul in every way imaginable. Today is the day that the committee as we speak, the FDA Advisory Committee, is meeting to Greenlight, Pfizer, and Moderna to, in the future, any coronavirus vaccine, and, and, you know, that will extend to anything, they don't need human clinical trials for. There's no exaggeration, that's literally what they're doing, and it's not even news. Just like it's not news that as of tomorrow, 40,000 National Guardsmen will be on the hook for being removed from the National Guard for not getting these dangerous shots. And no Republican cares. They're they're passing the NDAA and giving the votes for it, by the way, without addressing this. And the Republican governors are not fighting it, even though they're the commander-in-chiefs of their respective guards. So, like I've been saying the last couple days, I can't get excited for what's going on. You know, let me give you another example before we get back to our special uh, guest and the focus with vaccine injury and what Pfizer knew and when they knew it. But to venture over to January 6th a little bit, you all saw the news that Professor John Eastman of Claremont, he had his phone seized by the FBI. He was assaulted by them. He's basically under criminal investigation. This is a man, he's a constitutional professor. He simply gave the Trump administration legal advice that if, you know, his view constitutionally is that at the end of the day, the state legislatures have the final role in selecting the electors. That is now considered a crime. He's under criminal investigation for giving a legal opinion. So, you know, there's a lot of celebration over yesterday's ruling in the Kennedy case where a football coach, they said he could pray privately in his private time during during a college football game, even though it was a state institution. Oh, man, we have a you know victory for prayer for religious liberty. And as I know, mentioned yesterday, it was kind of a narrow ruling because we didn't have five justices ruling in accordance with the way Thomas would have. But the point is, that was yesterday's degree of tyranny. Hey, in a state... School, you can't pray, or, you know, different things. Now it's like, we're going to inject something in your body. Or in this case, you don't have the right to issue a legal or political opinion. And they'll come and the FBI will come knocking on your door. That's where we are today. Tell me where the Republican Party and the conservative media is in the realm of the battlefield turning the corner in fighting that issue. Body, body, mind, soul, Literally free speech. Okay? This is what I mean when I say we're focusing on yesterday's battles and actually exalting these Republicans and congratulating them and thanking them for that while they're screwing us on the much greater high-tech, more consequential battles of today. That, that cut to the core of liberty beyond anything we could have imagined. So, again, that we have the future framework. Tomorrow, National Guard Zone will get kicked out of the military. And nothing matters. No one cares. And by the way, you know, the military, it's, it's, it's in such bad shape now. They're 23% below their recruitment goals. They're now offering insane incentives to join it's just basically a a welfare agency rather than be all you can be um men who want to seek adventure defend the country patriotism that's over with and you can't blame them because why would you want to join if it's you're on the hook now for anything that Pfizer comes out with anything you will have to get where You have to watch tutorials on safe spaces for pronouns where it once used to be that if you had engaged in gay sex, you couldn't join the military just, you know, 12 years ago, yet now you get castration operations paid for and hormone therapy, and then you get sent to every far-flung hellhole to defend every other country's borders except for our own. And yet Republicans are like, it's pro-military to pass any appropriations or authorization bill for the military that doesn't deal with this, but it gives them a raise, throws more money at the problem without solving the policies. Those defense hawks are pathetic. They're not hawks, they're doves. So this is where we are in the military now. You don't have to have a high school diploma. That's what they're saying now. They want to recruit anything and everything but they will not relent on kicking people out for a dangerous and ineffective shot. And that's where I really want to go today and talk about the source of this malfeasance that deserves its own Nuremberg trial that they knew from day one this thing didn't work. And they knew from day one that it was extremely, extremely harmful. Again, you look around now, someone showed a a really amazing graphic that, where is this? I'm just trying to see who put this out. This guy, B-I-R-B underscore K, K K-Burb on Twitter. CDC has travel advisories to different countries if they have a high level of COVID spread. And there's level three is the highest. And if you, it's funny, if you look at the map, it's all the high-vaxxed countries And then in the twist of irony, the CDC says, make sure you're up to date with your COVID-19 vaccines before traveling to these destinations. I mean, that's how sick it is. Folks, there's literally a direct correlation now with the more you inject, the more you infect. That didn't happen by accident. They knew that. They knew that. That doesn't just happen. They saw that in the clinical trials and they covered it up. You know, one other point, I mean, I can go through a lot today, but I want to focus just on our interview today for the most part. But we talked about how there's 2.9 million extra people put on disability right after the vaccines came out in the U.S. Now we have U.K. data from the ONS, the Office of National Statistics in the U.K. This is from the Heart Group, puts out great info there. From February 2021, the rates began to rise again. This disability continuing to rise until October 2021, when they again plateaued. The rates are so high currently that they exceed um, the blue dotted line, which represents six standard deviations from the mean. Put differently, compared to the 2000 to 2019 baseline, levels this high would be seen by a chance of only 3.4 times in a million. So something big had to have happened and I'm just eyeballing their charts, it looks like roughly a 10% increase from right when the shots came out to or towards the end of the year, October, November. And that's very close to what we saw in the U.S. Again, when you start seeing around the world the same type of statistics and the same numbers that tells you something, The same timing. But, you know, again, we, we, we knew this. And by the way, one, one more thing, I want to get to Nova Scotia. This is from Rebel News. Documents released by Nova Scotia Department of Health and Wellness show that individuals in the province were still contracting, being hospitalized, and dying from COVID 19 even after accepting vaccination. They had a FOIA request and they um, got date ranges between December 17th, 2021, and December 23rd, 2021. Just this one week in Nova Scotia. It's one of the least populated provinces. And they report that basically, if you look at the rates of death you know, by, by, by status, again, overwhelmingly, there were people with three doses while the government was lying and said, oh, it was all the unvaccinated people. So we know that there's a source to this. This didn't happen by accident. Oh, whoops, we, we just made a mistake. This was willful malice. I wanna demonstrate that with our guests coming up. Our interview today is sponsored by America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider, Patriot Mobile. For those of you who are passionate about free speech and constitutional rights, where do you go to find vendors who share those values? And it's not just finding any vendor that shares your values. You have to worry about spying too. I mean, you don't exactly wanna use T-Mobile when they say they're gonna spy on your text messages. Here you don't have to sacrifice coverage. They have the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers. You get the same service plus peace of mind that your money is actually going to combat the lefts attempt to, to silence you, not going to help them pay for the rope to hang you. They have a 100% US-based customer service team that actually speaks English. And again, they share your values, so go to patriotmobile.com/cr or call 972-patriot. Get free activation with offer code CR. Veterans and first responders, because they appreciate them so much, will save even more with the Switch today. Folks, it's time we support companies that love America, love you, and share your values, not the bad guy's values. Go to patriotmobile.com. That's patriotmobile.com. Or if you prefer, call 972-PATRIOT. So originally, I really planned on moving on to other issues this week. But I'm sorry, I just can't move off of it as we sit today and watch the FDA Advisory Committee green light a blatant violation of of the Nuremberg Code. Just straight up, hey, no human trials required. That the more injury, destruction, safety signals, hundreds of academic papers come out demonstrating that this thing harms everyone. Potentially, every aspect of the body, every system in the body, the more they loosen it, the more they mandate it, the more they censor opposition. And this is truly the Twilight Zone. And I figured today would be a good time to have on Stephanie DeGarry, Maddie DeGarry's mother. And the reason why she's so important is that I believe in many respects Maddie DeGarry is patient zero for the Pfizer injury. Not necessarily that we know it's the first injury that occurred, but the first one we know of. And what's so important about this case is, look, when you sign up for a clinical trial, obviously you sign a lot of waivers, and there's risk that comes with it. But the understanding is that even if you incur a risk, well, that will go towards study, and immediately they will help you. They will study the pathophysiology of how it happened, how it occurred, to ensure that it doesn't happen to anyone else, And you don't say, hey, wow, we have a severe injury, that's awesome, let's go and authorize this and then mandate it. The point is, what occurred, and we now know from the documents, what occurred in the clinical trials is not a matter of, hey, they really missed this stuff and they were shocked at what occurred in the real world. Clearly, they saw this going on, clearly these safety signals didn't come out of nowhere, and they just chose to cover it up. Obviously, most of you are familiar with the basics of the story. Um, Maddie DeGuerre was yes uh, is 13 years old, and she signed up for the trial for Pfizer and was severely injured, paralyzed, waist down, lots of other issues we're going to talk about. Well, did Pfizer care? Did the FDA care? Did they get her treatment? Did they study it? Did they want to know what we can learn from it? Did they record it? Are they getting compensated for it? Were there more people? Do we even care? Does anyone care? Well, with us today is Maddie's mom, Stephanie, to discuss the story from beginning to end. Uh, Stephanie, I'm so sorry for your ordeal and what you've gone through, but I hope that we could at least shed light on it and perhaps bring some sort of resolution. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me on and allowing me to share Maddie's story.
0: Sure. So let's start from the beginning. Um, could you give us a little bit of the timeline? Most people never heard of the vaccines or didn't really know what was going on pre-approval until December or January 2021. Uh, when did you get involved in the trial? And describe your thoughts in, in deciding to go ahead with it and why you joined the trial.
1: Um, so, actually, we found out about the trial from a friend um, that was in the Pfizer trial, for adults um, at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And my husband and I actually signed up first. This was in, oh gosh, I think it was June of 2020, June, July of 2020. Um, And we got all the paperwork um, through, they do it through email. And then all the communication suddenly stopped. So we just assumed, oh, well, there were just a lot of people that wanted to be in the trial. so they, you know, they sent us the stuff and, you know, it was passed. There the were more people than they needed. Never thought anything of it. And then fast forward, um, that same person, her son was in the trial. And my um, my middle son, Lucas, he found out about it from this, this individual, came home and said, hey, I, you know, so-and-so, I don't want to use names, but... <clears throat> so-and-so is in the trial and the the trial for COVID trial. Um, and I, I want to do it. So there was a small monetary um, compensation for it. I think it's like a thousand bucks or a little over that over a period of two years, mind you. But for a kid at the time who couldn't work and also wanted to have a life, um, not have to wear a mask, you know, this was a great opportunity. So um, I, I saw no risk because, She was in the trial. Um, She had been unblinded, found out that she actually did did get the actual vaccine. Um, So they unblind you. um, Once it's approved, they unblind you. So when it was approved for adults, you were given the option to be able to be unblinded so that if you didn't get it, then you could get it, if that makes sense. And the same thing was done with the kids. Um, So she had no reaction at all. Her son was in it, so, you know, 50-50 chance that you're going to get the actual vaccine. So I thought, okay, well, it was him and a couple other friends. I figured, well, surely somebody, one of them got the real thing. No no issues. So I'd heard of no issues, and I knew several adults and kids that were in the trial. So I was not worried whenever he asked to do this. Once again, we signed up as well. Um, and when we were talking to him about it, the you know, obviously our other two kids, um, we, Lucas has an older brother, Gabe and then Maddie found out, um, and they're like, we want to do it too. So, um, once again, these kids, you know, everybody's been in lockdown. You've been put, fear has been put in you, um, and and we've been told all along, hey, these vaccines, they're going to make it all go away.
0: This is your ticket to freedom.
1: It is, yeah, yeah, and it's for them to get it early. So we weren't able to get in the trial, so we were excited that they could be in, both my husband and I, <clears throat> we're frontline workers. So I, I work in school, my husband works in healthcare. Um, so we were going to get it early at this point, you know, we were going to get it early anyways, like January. Well, I think it was February is when it rolled out to the the schools and, um, and, um, to the healthcare workers, but healthcare were earlier. Anyways, so we're like, okay, we're going to get it early. They're going to get it early. We're going to be safe. That, you know, that was my mindset because I believed everything I was being told. Um, So they started, they got their first dose um, December uh, 30th. And then uh, no issues at all with any of them. And then Gabe got COVID, so he didn't get his second dose. Um, that's the way the trial worked. Like if you got COVID and it was confirmed, um, then you don't get it.
0: Wait, he got COVID after the first dose?
1: It was literally, he had it when he got the first dose. Got it. They don't, well, the thing is (laughs) they don't wait for your COVID test to come back, um, whenever you're in the trial. So they did a COVID test and a bunch of blood work first time. And they don't wait for that because it was a PCR test. It's not a rapid test. They don't wait for the test to come back before they give you your dose. So he actually got his first and only dose while he had COVID. He was sick for a very long time. Um, I don't know if it was just from the COVID probably because or from the vaccine or both. My guess is it's, you know, he had COVID for the vaccine and he was confirmed that he actually got the actual vaccine. Hmm. Um, Lucas in the end, he ended up getting the placebo. Obviously he had no issues, and then Maddie Maddie was fine the first one she had the typical um symptoms where she um uh a fever her arm did, her arm swelled up um she was tired but like everything we expected yeah and then she she got they Lucas and Maddie both got their second dose on January 20th um and Maddie had said that She's like, man, that hurt way worse than the than the first one. So in my head, you know, <clears throat> they always say like with the flu flu shot, you tensed your arm. So I I was like, oh, did you like tense up your muscle? She's like, no. I'm like, well, that's we were able to keep our You know, not 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 of any concern. She wasn't concerned either. She just pointing out something different. Um, and then in the middle of the night, so she got they got their second dose late in evening. It was after school, so it was probably on like four or five in the middle of the night um, she came into our room and she said I I don't feel right I I, something you know something's like I, I don't feel right something's wrong can I sleep with you I mean she was 12 at the time she never slept she didn't sleep with us she never came in our room to ask to sleep with us um, and she crawled in, in between me and my husband, which was even more odd. So clearly something was going, I mean, she, she didn't feel good at all. Um, in the morning we told her, you don't need to go to school knowing that, you know, we have been warned ahead of time that she, similar symptoms to COVID for a day or two. So we're like, you don't need to go to school. You know, you can stay home. Mm. Um, she hates missing school. Um, she doesn't you know, you, you miss school, you have to make up the work. She didn't want to have to do that. She's like, well, I'll go and I'll come home. If I, I'll call you if I, if I, well, I'm not call you, but I'll go to the nurse if I need to. Well, she did, she somehow pushed through the whole day mainly because she didn't want to go to the nurse. She just, just she wanted to stay in school. She's, that's just her personality. That probably should give you an idea that she doesn't overreact mm. <laughs> in terms of illness. She's, she's pretty, she's got a high tolerance. Um, so she made it through the day and walked through the door. My husband works from home, barely made it to his office, which was right inside the door, dropped her bag. And uh, he, when he saw her, he was like, Oh my God. I mean, her fingers were white um, on the tips and like ice cold. So were her toes. Um, She had swelling in them like edema. She, um, like you could not, even touch her back like she, the, she had um, the zapping pains going up and down her the the back of her spine um, she took off her shoes she wouldn't let you touch her any her whole body hurt um, she had like a horrible horrible headache And her probably her worst symptom was um, her she had lower abdominal pain near her appendix um, and so my husband Called the trial line, like, immediately, and, and they said that they were going to call right back, so he, and then he then he called me, and I was at work, and I hear, he's like, Maddie's having some sort of reaction to the vaccine, and he, then he and, and I hear her in the background, and she's yelling, Mom, Mom, my heart, my heart, my heart feels like it's being ripped out through my neck. Um, so I, at that point I'm like, okay, at first I was like, oh, you know, not as concerned. But when she said that, I like that. It's when I got scared. Um, so I left school and I, um, I, I left school immediately, went home. Um, by then the trial line had called. And they said to take her to Cincinnati Children's. They said the easiest and best thing would be to take her to Cincinnati Children's, which is where the trial was being held. Because then, because the doctor that was the principal investigator, Robert Frank, um, he would be able to have access to her charts. And he, they'd be able to, you know, compensate for any, you know, bills that we had, et cetera. So we, it was about, it's about 30 minutes away, not the closest hospital But at that point, my husband was monitoring her vitals and they were okay. I mean, her heart rate was high, but her um, oxygen was fine um, and blood pressure was high, but not like to the point where he was flipping out. So they took her to the ER. They checked for appendicitis um, and they uh, did a renal, like just basic blood work. And, um, they did a urine, urinalysis. And so the, uh, when they checked for appendicitis, it didn't show anything. Um, they gave her an IV Tylenol, um, and, um, uh, Zofran for nausea. And when they gave her, they gave her something else in it because I remember when she, <laughs> she was all looped up and I can't remember what else they gave her. Cause she was, maybe it was the Zofran that made her loopy. Um, she felt better, um, she did have blood in her urine, um, which is not normal, clearly. When I say blood in her urine, like it tested for there like when when they did the test, there was blood in her urine. Um, so they sent her home. Um, and shortly after she got home, all the symptoms like skyrocketed up again and just continued to get worse. So between then and um April, she went to the ER, um, 10 times, I think nine or 10 times. I should know this by now. Um, cause, but she went to the ER more after that. Um, and then she was hospitalized three times, first time for three days, second time for a week that was in March. First time was in the end of January. And then the last time was for a month and a half, which was in April where they also had her in, um, inpatient rehabilitation, um, so she is still, um, it, like I said, it progressed. There's a whole progression of symptoms um, where she ended up eventually having to have an NG tube. She couldn't. She got to the point where she could not swallow at all, um, got to the point where she could not walk at all. Um, and she's still in that state today.
0: She's still in that state. So I want to work backwards afterwards, but just in terms of the ultimate culmination of those symptoms. So could you describe what those symptoms are and have been for the past year, what the diagnosis ultimately was, and, and what are the consequences for her lifestyle?
1: So her, <clears throat> she can't feel from her waist down. Um, she has, and because of that, she has no, like she can't tell when she has to, P until her bladder is overly full, and um, we measure it. So it it basically gets to the point where her bladder is like I guess above where she can to the point where she can feel it. I mean, so it's like a thousand mL is what she goes to the bathroom once a day. So a thousand mL like that's a lot. Like normally going to the bathroom with two hundred mL is a lot. A thousand is is way too much. So her bladder is like stretched. Um, right now she has gastroparesis. Um, she has vision problems. We've been to several eye doctors and, and specialists and, and they cannot figure out what is going on with her eyes. Um, they're like all over the place. Like there's no prescription that they can even give her. So she, everything's blurry or double. Um, she, uh, can't swallow. Um, she can swallow her saliva, but, um, like if she gets a sore throat or something, sometimes she can't even do that. But so there's, she can't swallow, so she has an NG tube. She's had one since April. So she gets everything <clears throat> through, um, for, she has formula that she gets plus, because we can't, like, it, it, like it, it, she has a it pumps in. She can't, it can't go very fast. So we can't get enough fluids in her. So she also has a pick line, um, which is in your arm, to, for IVs, so she gets IVs um, every day um, to get additional hydration. Um, she, because she can't feel from her waist down, she is in a wheelchair. She can move her legs. Like they're like, if, if she's say laying on a bed, she can like, you know, if you pull your legs up, but she can't move them against gravity a- at all. And, and it's like minimal in terms of what she can, um, how she can move them the way that I think of it. Like when your foot falls asleep or something, it's like, you feel like it's not there. It feels very heavy. That's kind of how her, her legs. Well, that's how they constantly feel, but completely numb. Like you can, you can put a pin in her and she won't feel it at all. <clears throat> um, wow. And her reflexes are messed up as well. um She, so she did, she had an EMG and which was uh, not, it was abnormal. And that was just recently, like a week and a half ago, I think.
0: An EMG, um, could you explain that?
1: The electro, elect, I forget what it stands for. Basically, they check to see um, your response, like with your legs. They mm-hmm. hook up like electrodes to them. And then I, I don't know the specifics of it. I don't want to. I just know that that's a way of, of telling if, if there's damage done to the nerves in your legs which there there is because it was abnormal.
0: Is there neurological Um, damage as well?
1: She had an MRI of her brain and of her spine. Uh, Well, first of her spine, that was in March. Um, It was actually the day before the data cutoff for the trial for the 12- to 15-year-olds. So I believe it was March 12th she had it done and March 13th. Um, was the data cut off? Don't, I mean, you, whatever the day was, it was around, I'm pretty sure it was March 13th, but she had her uh, MRI the day before of her spine. There were some minor abnormalities that they explained away. Like, I forget what it was likely due to position, like everything that's abnormal. They, they explain away, including, and, and then I'm kind of jumping around here. I'll, I'll finish with the MRIs and just want to make one other sure. note about the urinalysis So then, so she had the the, the MRI of her spine. When she woke up, one thing that I will note is when she woke up from that MRI of her spine, she already could barely walk to begin with. Um, When she woke up from that, she was um, unable to go to the bathroom. They had to do a catheter. And when she went to, when they had her, like, go to stand up, she dropped straight to the ground. Like, before she... Would be like hunched over and take like tiny steps so she could walk barely. But now, like after that, she could not walk at all. It was an MRI with contrast. Um, At the time, the way they explained it was that it was probably due to the anesthesia. um, So we believe them. But now, after, you know, talking to lots of people and finding, you know, and and what happened with her second MRI, which was so another mri of her brain um, that was in june so she had been discharged from the um, inpatient rehabilitation she was in there from the middle of february until um, the june 1st Um, when she left inpatient rehabilitation she walked in she went no, she didn't walk in When she started it, she could not stand, could not walk, could not do anything. By the time she left, she was able to um, walk with an abnormal gait. So like her legs would shake and her leg would drag um, at the – she was able to walk like that with a walker. If she let go of the walker, she would – everything would spin and kind of like if you're – this is the way she describes it, kind of like if you're – I don't know – if you're on a boat or if like where you're dizzy, you know, you have to hold on to something in order to be able to stand. Or, you know, if you're an adult and you drink, you know, she actually knew how that felt because they in school, they had done those, the, the goggles, you know what I'm talking about? Yep. To simulate your, like, that's what she compared, like, she's like, that's how I feel. If I let go, I need to hold on to something. Um, and after she had the MRI of her brain. So that was the middle of June when she woke up from that one. So once again, we, they told us it was, you know, the anesthesia that messed her up. So they used a different anesthesia um, and she woke up and once again, could not be couldn't. And, and she, uh, for when this one was done, she could not, she lost control of her neck. She's like, I can't move my neck. I can't move my neck. Eventually she was able to move her neck like by the time we left, but she could not support it at all. Um, So once again, we, we left, she left there from the MRI, the hospital, it's a day, you know, you don't stay overnight Um, unable to um, walk again or hold her neck up. So we left the hospital like that. meaning keep her in. Um, So it turned out, just with additional testing and stuff that we had done, it it was the contrast, the gadolinium. She had a reaction to that. She can't, like, she, she she, and I don't know if she was like this prior because she's never had an MRI before. Um, She's unable to, um, like, get rid of the, to to process the gadolinium. It, like, got stayed in her body or whatever. I guess that happens with some people. Um, Plus, she is allergic to heavy metals as well, we found out. I don't know if that allergy preexisted or if it yep. is. So a lot of times people develop allergies, um, and this is something I never knew. Like from, you could develop them from vaccines, from viruses, etc. So something similar happened to my son when I was a kid, where he all of a sudden, out of the blue, developed all these food allergies. Now I understand why. <coughs> so,
0: so um, yeah. can you describe uh, her life? you know, her, her quality of life at this point. Um, so obviously indefinitely she's bound to a wheelchair. Uh, but what, what about in terms of functionality, <clears throat> learning, speaking, um, you know, in general, <clears throat> is she able to function? Is she in a lot of pain? Is she able to think clearly, speak clearly?
1: So she is in a wheelchair. She can't take, she can't, Take showers by herself, like I have to help her do everything. I have to help transfer her to the toilet. I mean she can go to the bathroom by herself, but it's like I have to help her with her showers, get dry, like like putting on pants she she she's lost her independence, like most of it, but she can like get around in a wheelchair, she can wheel herself if she's on like hardwood floor. Um, in terms of her brain, she gets exhausted very easily. She was going to school for an hour and a half to two hours a day, and then we were doing um some a modified she had a modified um workload at home where I would work with her um, <clears throat> She will mix up words um and not even realize that she's doing it, and that's getting worse actually. Um, where uh, she'll just call things by the wrong name. And I mean, I know what she's talking about. And now we just joke about it because what else? She, I mean, like, you gotta. This, this is how she's her life. So we, you know, sure. she, that's how she's just somebody that jokes about everything. I mean, so that's not um, just
0: physical, you know, kind of from the waist down, as you're no. describing. Clearly, no. there was some damage there that makes oh, it yeah. hard for her to articulate and. Um, right. So this is a lot yeah. more systemic than someone you know. It's bad enough someone's like, "All right, I'll be in a wheelchair yeah. the rest of my life." But man, they're fully no. functioning, and there's a lot of people no. like that. Um, okay, so let's go backwards. Well,
1: she uh, also has sure. pain, pain, constant pain in her back, her neck. She still has problems like supporting her neck. I mean, it's getting, it's gotten a little bit better, but like if she, if she had the way I compare it to her is like with a baby. It's like you know, if you hold a baby up by you know supporting its back
0: mm. it,
1: you know a baby can kind of hold out its neck but sometimes it'll bobble to the side yep. or whatever you know what i'm talking about her, we would always put
0: we is. would always put them in the crevice of the couch like you know yes, at yes. that age three yep. months old or four months old yeah and right. uh that's the, how her
1: neck is
0: wow wow right. so so that's where i want to take it this is kind of part one this is the story of what happened to her so let's take it back to early january 2020 um She's a 12-year-old year old girl. Describe her physical condition then.
1: Um, she was in awesome physical shape. She's one of those kids that would try a sport and would, like, excel. She played soccer, not right before this, but, you know, throughout her life, she played soccer, volleyball. Um, she did gymnastics. She um, did dance. She would. She's. I mean, she was a 12 year old at the time. She did TikToks 24 seven. She taught herself. Like she would walk around on her hands like all the time. I have a bunch of pictures of her like right before she got the second dose of her. Up, like up on her hands, like walking around on her hands. Um, she walked, rock climb. She's very very strong, nonstop. And like I said, she anything she would try, she would just she'd be, be able to do it. And she just picked stuff up physically. So, like, so there were, there were no known
0: physical, um, conditions or, or learning disabilities before the that. There only,
1: was... No learning. She did have ADHD. She was diagnosed with ADHD. Everybody. knows. Well, who doesn't? <laughs> yes. So she did take, um, uh, Vyvanse. She would only take it Monday through like only when she was in school. She wouldn't take it when she wasn't in school. Um, and then she had been diagnosed with dermatographia, which is where if you scratch yourself, you'll like get your skin raises and you get like a hive.
0: <clears throat> so that was it. The reason why I ask you this is is to come full circle now that everyone has heard the story, which is very, very tragic. what I don't what what I'm just trying to project what I would have thought, and I think anyone listening would have thought before we our innocence was broken. We would have thought at the time that if you would have taken a 12-year-old girl in a clinical trial for a vaccine that they knew the ingredients and technology certainly was novel, certainly at a minimum very much, very much rushed, assuming it wasn't developed way before. Um, and and for a cohort of of people, you know, 12 to 15-year-olds, that really the rationale to begin with to need it wasn't that necessary. So... You have a clinical trial and you have a patient that, within a day, gets these severe, systemic, multi-pronged reactions to it that degenerate and, and lead to almost de facto paralysis and lack of functionality indefinitely. I, projecting my own if, – if you would have told me that story and say, hey – Fill in the blank. So I would have said, oh my gosh, that whole period from February through June 2020 that you described in and out of the hospital ER um, diagnosis, that you would have had a team from Pfizer and the FDA examining every aspect of the pathophysiology of this, what in the vaccine would have caused it, going through her, her history, writing papers on it, studying it, what we could glean from it constantly being in contact with you, certainly getting you the personal care and resolution that you needed, but also for the benefit of the globe, which is exactly why you do a clinical trial, and you did sign up for it, and that's fine, but that if you did have such a bad reaction, they would learn from it and certainly not go through with it until they got to the bottom of it. That's what I would have thought. Now, instead, Stephanie, I want you to fill in this, the rest of the story, what indeed did and didn't happen.
1: So um, that's not what happened. I have never talked to Pfizer. Pfizer has never talked to me. Um, I The first time I talked to the FDA was um, this year, early this year. Um, and it was only once and nothing was done. Filed the VAERS report. Um, first communication I've gotten from them was this year as a year follow up? Hey, how she? How you know we're following up from your year report? Never followed up from the initial report. Um, she, they diagnosed her just. Just they, mind you, they approved the vaccine in um, May. She didn't have her the MRI of her brain, mind you. This is all neurological, and and, and until June of um, the middle of June of 2021. So five months later, almost actually, yeah, five months later, that's when they finally did that. After the vaccine was approved, they did no test that I now realize. Like the EMG I said, talked about, didn't do that. She can't feel from the waist down. Never did an EMG. Never. Nothing. They did the most basic tests they could possibly do where they knew nothing would show up and they diagnosed her with functional neurologic disorder a day before they submitted the EUA. So they submitted the EUA on April 9th, April 8th is when they put into her charts, functional neurologic disorder, which is basically saying that this is in in her head. It's, 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 psychological and
0: who, who's that, the they who, who who's they here
1: cincinnati children's hospital so are I, they the tied to the vaccine at, they they so the principal investigator um the, the trial was held at cincinnati children's hospital so it's being you know there's a bunch of trials like for the covid vaccine being held at hospitals some aren't at hospitals this ours was the principal investigator who's supposed to be the advocate for the, whoever the participants in the trial, if anything is, was to happen. Okay. He works for Cincinnati children's hospital. He can get into her records there throughout between, um, between January and um, April. He, and there's these notes or I have it, I have it in her charts. He talked to all of the specialists prior to her, um, her to her appointment. So when the uh, psychiatrist, which we were like, we weren't given a choice. Like you had to, she had to see a psychiatrist also because they put her on antidepressants, um, which we've since taken her off.
0: Oh my She's seen
1: done cognitive behavioral therapy, which is supposed to. That that is what that in in um, physical therapy. If you have functional neurologic disorder, that is what's supposed to make it resolve, and it it did not work. She was she did it. She did physical therapy, including inpatient from February through um, through the end of uh, through June, and she did the cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy that long, and and she never got better, but they, I mean, that's, they still diagnosed her, um, with that, but like with the psychiatrist he has in there that he collab, and this is literally his word, the word he used, that he collaborated with the principal investigator, Robert Frank. Um, she only had two, this is who diagnosed her with functional neurologic disorder and anxiety. Um, he had two virtual visits with Maddie. Um, so, not in person, never met her before. And he's the one that diagnosed her with the functional neurologic disorder. Two virtual visits and um, collaborating with the principal investigator. The neurologist, every one of these doctors, so the neurologist um, had a note in there about did he talk to the principal investigator? The allergist talked to the principal investigator before and after and the allergist did zero tests mind you she also like i there's so much that had happened to her that i i can't even like tell you all of it like she had rashes all over her body um she had blisters in her mouth like in the beginning she um a vulva boil like all like lumps on her head so the allergist did zero tests nothing Nothing at all. Throughout all this
0: time, you mentioned the neurologist, the allergist. A sane person would have felt that, you know, you might entertain some additional things, but the 800-pound gorilla in the room will be the vaccine because it was a day prior.
1: Right.
0: um, And she was a healthy 12-year-old. She wasn't a 90-year-old. But that wasn't at the tip of their tongue?
1: No. These are things that we had to asked for and, and I mean they did like I said they just did normal blood work they did do an endoscopy which showed all these tests showed abnormalities but there always was an explanation for everything Wow! <clears throat> I, I, she had blood in her urine seven times between when she got the vaccine like right that first ER visit and April seven times she had blood in her every time basically <laughs> that they did a urinalysis. She had one her urine. And they tried to blame it on her period, which also came, by the way, um, ten days after she got the vaccine, she got it. And it was like she had given birth. And I'm not joking. It was horrible. Um her very first one. Yeah. So oh, that, that yeah. that's a oh, big
0: yeah. deal because that's another oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. very, yep. very documented, yep. Yep. almost yep. almost with conclusive proof at this point that it is a major pathophysiological Uh, outcome of these shots to create uh, very abnormal menstrual uh, cycles, irregularities.
1: Still a problem. Still a
0: problem. So so here we are. I I, I don't even know what to say because here we are, I, I would say, probably about 15 months into when people following this would have seen very serious issues with these shots. And we're all tearing our hair out, trying to figure out how is it that we have Over a million entries in theirs, uh, you know, encompassing every malady known to man that we know there's a woeful underreporting rate. We have so many safety signals in health insurance data, life insurance data, disability data, surveys, um, hundreds of academic papers, sometimes in very prestigious journals and uh, uh, researchers uh, uh, publishing them over the last year, year and a half and yet there is, to to this at this moment, June 2022, there is still no desire to even follow up on any of that, yep. much less call a foul yep. on the mandates, much less call a foul on uh, distribution of these shots, and they foisted on the younger cohorts, and then now green light, uh, no clinical trials. But your case is almost the Rosetta Stone answering that, because what you're telling us is that even as a child participant in the actual clinical trial that you would scrutinize like anything you would have investigators all over Mm -hmm. it that you had the most Mm -mm. your daughter suffered the most systemic reactions you could imagine immediately afterwards and you're Mm -hmm. saying there was no follow-up no desire to even diagnose to help you get treatment to study it, to record it. And you're saying the only conversation you had with the FDA was only because you filed a VAERS report. So they responded to you. No, it wasn't even because I
1: filed a VAERS report. It was because somebody else who was injured got a a call set up with them and and pulled me into it to give me time with the FDA. (laughs) FDA, There's not because of the VAERS report. No, no. This is because somebody helped me to get – a voice with them, yeah. And,
0: and, and I also, want to be clear here. Well, I want to, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, I didn't mean nope. to step on you there.
1: No, nope. one thing to note, because this is important. So while <clears throat> while we were in, I was in the hospital with Maddie, um, at, at that point, Maddie's story went viral, by the way, at, by accident. Um, the only reason it got out because at that point, I thought Maddie was the only one. I'm like, I'm going to keep this personal. She's in a trial. I was trying to be respectful. What until they figured it out in the beginning, um, <clears throat> I had posted something on Facebook asking for prayers. My uncle asked me if I could make it public, um, so I, you know, so that his church could pray. And I was like, okay. So I made my post public, and it went viral overnight. Um, so that's how her story got out. Not. I mean, I, I, from there, God was in control, (laughs) I guess. Um, anyways, because of that, there is this other, another individual that was in the AstraZeneca trial, Brian Dressen, um, who was injured. She, somebody saw Maddie's story and, um, told her about it and, and connected her with me through Facebook. Um, at the time she was being, um, Seen and studied by the NIH along with some other people that had been all adults that had been injured. And there's actually the paper just came out this year from that study. I don't know if you saw it or not. Yep. Um, Avrin Nath. Yeah. Dr. Nath. So um, she connected me with Dr. Nath. He could not treat her because she was a child, um, but he did talk to her neurologist um, which is why they did all this additional testing. This is after it was approved, like the MRI of her brain. They did a bunch of other, like they did um, these tests on strep, which, by the way, were elevated for Maddie. They did it three times. It's your AS, ASO and um, DNA's B or something. I guess it doesn't matter, but they were elevated, um, which is not normal. She did not have strep throat, like, anytime remotely close. Um, to prefer, there was no reason for those to be elevated I guess is my point a bunch of other stuff was not normal um, a lot of stuff was not normal so he talked to Dr. Naff, and Dr. Naff said that he was you know he was studying some individuals he didn't have any children well of course he didn't have any children because at that time um, that they, they talked it had just been approved for kids Right. So, not going to be talking to anybody unless they were in the trial. But he said to assume that this is real and that he recommended IVIG. The neurologist, for a short time, um, was like, I don't, this is not FND. He told us this. He's like, the more and more I see you, this is not FND, the more. And then all of a sudden, we get a message from him in my chart. Didn't call us, nothing. And says, it's functional neurologic disorder. We recommend that you do cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, we'd already m- done this, mind you, and physical therapy. Out of the blue, which is also the time that um, Dr. Nass stopped talking to the participants, like responding to, to them. Yeah, it, it was all around the same time. So somebody was told to shut up.
0: Wow. Was told to shut up. Um, and again, this so, is... Yeah. You're a trial mm-hmm. participant this is what how they treated the trial participants and, and and to be clear, we all understand that you sign a waiver it was clear that mm-hmm. you know because you did participate, you're not going to be able to sue for a hundred million dollars for punitive damages that's the point of signing up but the notion that they would at least take care of you and then most importantly get to the bottom of the pathophysiological cause. there, there
1: was no waiver signed. There was an informed consent that basically said that um the normal things that they tell you now that could happen minus the period like myoccas didn't tell us that it's basically you could have a sore throat, swollen arm um you could have a fever, you could have some aches yeah. and pains for about two days, and that there is a possibility of an anaphylactic reaction um and that there could be other reactions. Obviously, that there's a yeah. trial, and that they will um, compensate for any of the medical bills related to the trial, as they they determine if it
0: was related to the trial. Well, well, oh, oh, so 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 I got that wrong. So you would be compensated for at least, yeah, certainly the the medical care. So where does that stand? Uh, obviously, yeah. you you have endless medical bills. That's all you do now is deal with her medical care um have how much have the has Pfizer paid you
1: so Pfizer paid me nothing um oh. <laughs> Cincinnati children's paid for the hospital bills that we incurred, like her um at their hospital only, and that was after we got a lawyer involved they they did not do it initially oh they yeah, we ended up, yes. Yeah, we had to get a lawyer involved and they eventually took the charges away for there. But that's not like all of the medical, like the, all of the, um, um, the medicine and, you know, the sure. all the medicine that she was prescribed that didn't help her and made her worse. Um, it, that wasn't for all the lost wages that I had because I was a contract worker at the time that wasn't for, I mean, a lot of expenses that they, you know, time off to take her to appointments when she was in, the, like all of that stuff. It, none of that was paid for. And we ended up moving her care out of Cincinnati Children's Hospital to another local smaller children's hospital, Dayton Children's, just as a holding place. Um, so after that, they didn't pay, obviously, for anything. She did in April, and this was because of Cincinnati Children's, once again, pass the buck, she qualified for long-term care um which for a year because she was in the hospital for over a month um she qualified for that so she got that for one year that ran up in april um so with that it would pay for the co-pays um that we couldn't cover for up to starting in april last year through april of this year and then um so Cincinnati, like anything before that is the stuff that we had to fight with Cincinnati Children's, which was a, the big bulk of it was before she was approved for that, that med- the Medicaid, but that's not in- including like they wouldn't give us a wheelchair forever. So we had to do like, we had to have put a ramp in our house, like none of that was covered, we had to put a ramp in our house, we had to redo her, um, like I said, she can't um, roll around, she can only move her wheelchair on um, hard floors. We had put hard floors, not, well, the cheaper. We had to make her um, the shower. You know, we had to get a shower chair, all these things that you don't think about. Like they all add up. Yeah. So we had to basically make our house handicap accessible because she's in a wheelchair and they wouldn't even give us a wheelchair in the beginning. We ended up getting one on our own. Um, finally, they gave her, a, they did get her a custom wheelchair. That was in, she got it in November November. Yeah. November of two thousand twenty one. So a ten
0: months? Ten months. It took yeah. To get yep. a, to get a wheelchair. And I would imagine that yep. day to day, week to week, because of all of the cascading symptoms, you probably need to see a lot of doctors, right?
1: Yes. Yes. I mean like so the doctor's appointment in my insurance? Okay. So the now, so that was when we were going to stuff that insurance would cover. We were unable to get help for her. Like, nobody, once we moved her care to Dayton Children's, like, they can see everything from Cincinnati Children's. So it's like seeing a specialist at any hospital that has, um, uh, what is it? I can't remember. Epic uses Epic, which is pretty much every hospital in the world. Um, they can see, like, information from the other hospitals. So once they see functional neurologic disorder and you tell them that she was in the trial, like really the thing that the red flag, and because nobody wants, like nobody will run any tests. It's basically you have functional neurologic uh, disorder. There's no point in doing any more tests, right? Because they know something's going to show up. She was in the trial at this point, people know, that, that there's been reactions. Her reactions line up with all these medical papers that have come out. You, you know, they do. So they don't want to be the ones that say she has this or this turned up abnormal. She was in the trial. Like, that's career sabotage. They will be fired. I'm just, like, this is the situation we're in. So, so, we so you have don't have an official
0: diagnosis from any doctor?
1: Functional neurologic disorder. No, we do now. We did see a doctor um, that is a neurologist, and she was diagnosed with CIPD, um, the one where her EMG was not normal. We're waiting on the skin punch biopsy. Um, he went through; he has all of her records, um, all of her tests, and everything. So when we left there, he he had the the. I guess I should say preliminary diagnosis because I like I'm I'm a very factual, sure. truthful person to. Like to the point where it's a fault, but the diagnosis we have on paper is CIPD. Um, So it's the
0: CIPD, and that was only from a private doctor that, you know, that was a
1: private doctor that we paid out of pocket. That you paid
0: out of pocket for. So from there,
1: so. But that's because he can, because he's not being controlled by insurance, he can tell the truth.
0: Oh my God. So
1: She had tests done through, like, the hospital, and, like, all of the tests are, like, real tests. We also, um, she's seen now a a functional and naturopathic doctor, two two different doctors. We moved across the state um, because nobody would help us, Um, and I needed somebody. Like, I couldn't just do virtual or, like, do, like, one appointment. These two doctors see her every single day. And and they've been, you know, trying to heal her body. And she is it has helped her, but she's still like we're at a standstill. She's like her her body's healthier. Like when we got here, we're on the west coast. When we got here, her she had um jaundice like around her eyes, her eyes were yellow and around her mouth. Now I need to also note like that so that in the end of December, she was hospitalized again. We had to go to the ER because she started, um, her stomach blew up. Like it looked like she was pregnant. She was vomiting like Mm. violently so bad that her NG tube came up and was stuck in her esophagus. Um, so they admitted her, she was in the hospital for, I think, three or four days. They did a, a bowel clean out after she was discharged. We, um, got a notice about the formula recall with Similac, um, And I first, I was like, well, what, you know, she wasn't on Similac, but she was on Ellicare Jr., which is manufactured, same plant, same, it was part of the recall. So, we're with, uh, I forget the bacteria that you get. I, I'm 100% certain because all of the cancer formula that we had um, at our house were part of that recall. Like, they were in the yeah. lot that was, so, she, on top, add insult to injury, and you can't make this up. I mean, I, like, I, she she had that on top of everything else. So she was in really bad shape by the time we got here. Um, so their goal was to, you know, start healing her, her gut um, and to get her on a formula also to figure out allergies and stuff, because nobody did any allergy tests. She's allergic to all kinds of foods. So they put her on an elemental formula. She was um, always and, allergic
0: and, or, or, or just now, the last I, year?
1: I have no clue. Nobody ever did any. Oh, she had had a bunch of food allergy tests done like a while back when she was diagnosed with the dermatographia um, and had no food allergy. She does now. like with. Um, so she was able um, to
0: enjoy food like any other 12-year-old?
1: Yeah, yes. She just ate normal. Yes, Has she ever
0: expressed yes. anything to you about that? I mean, a 12-year-old where all of a sudden you can't enjoy food? And she just eat, eats formula?
1: So part of what they do, um, when, whenever you, if you are on an NG tube um, and, and they think that you're going to be able to eat, like the goal of being able to eat again, part of the speech therapy so that you don't lose the ability to do it is you do what they call taste. So it's to keep your taste buds working mm. and to, um, to keep, to keep, remember how to chew because if you don't do it just like a baby, you'd have to learn it again, even with your taste buds. So you chew it and you spit it out. So she doesn't, I mean, she'll, she'll do those because that's part of the part of the speech therapy is is doing that. So speech therapy is what they do for the swallowing and like for anything in your, like for me, I think of speech therapy as being just for talking, but it's, it's for swallowing You're chewing all of that—it's speech therapy. You know, but she doesn't enjoy food like a normal human. Of course, you know, like she of can't course. like go to a restaurant. She can't, you
0: know. See, I'm just trying to extrapolate out. I've never seen such a case that is so foreboding of what yeah. was going to happen to the entire world. Because and if there's you,
1: confirmation now.
0: Yeah, if you're in the, the child <laughs> clinical trial. And you have an immediate reaction that ravages the entire body and makes, Mm -hmm. you know, a 12-year-old systemically disabled. And Mm -hmm. even then, there was no pharmacovigilance, surveillance, uh, you know, upkeep, monitoring, reporting, documenting, studying, certainly, obviously, hand-holding and compensation and and compassion and care. And you really had to seek that out on your own. How much more so when you look at all these people that maybe are older, and maybe it's a little bit more subtle. They're definitely very disrupted, neurological damage. They feel heart damage. Mm-hmm. They feel they're aging. They feel they're limping. They get the onset of autoimmune. But it's you know it's not like a day later like your life changes like in the case of Maddie, because b- even those cases well, some, are not some, being documented. Some
1: are like that. Well, some are like she is. There are adults like her with the yep. same. Yeah, I mean, there, you, there are. It's there's different levels of severity in terms of how people were their reaction. There, but there are adults that are just as bad as her.
0: What about? Could you talk a little bit about the Vars reporting? Um, you know what that experience was like, and what that demonstrates in terms of the likely underreporting factor globally.
1: So. I'll talk about VERS, and I also want to explain like what they're monitoring and how they monitor during the trial. So for the trial, they don't, you, you like the principal, they don't use VERS for the trial. Okay. The way that they do it, if anything happens, it's the principal investigator reports it to the sponsor, which would be Pfizer in our case and Pfizer reports it to the FDA. So that's what happens. There's no VAERS report. Okay. If so, I filled out a VAERS report because they wouldn't tell me what symptoms were reported for Maddie. And I found out about, you know, cause we kept repeatedly asking the principal investigator if they filed a VAERS report. And he's like, that's not how it works with the trial. I have emailed with this on it. So I like, you know what, I'm putting it on here because I want people to see what happened to her. And I want it documented. It took me three days. To be able to file that bears report because of the amount of information and because it, it keeps it, it, it would it kept timing out essentially um, every time I would do it like I'd need to go look for information or whatever sorry um, so lost my train so of it thought. timed
0: that no so timed out after so three it time, like. After right. after each time, so you'd yeah. put in all that effort. So you many have questions. have to
1: start all over yes. again. You have all to over, start. Yes. Off. It, it doesn't save it. It's, yeah, it was, <laughs> it, was a, it was a nightmare. So I don't know how anybody, like nobody in their right mind, would fill one of those out for fun. Like it, like yeah. literally takes forever. That you can't fill a bunch out. There's it's impossible. Um, so with the trial, though, when you when all they're doing is they monitor you for, oh, I think it's a week after, maybe two weeks, I can't remember, a week or two weeks, but all, they use a, an app called trial, trial Site, I think it is, and you, they're soliciting side effects, and all those side effects that they're soliciting information on are the ones that, they, they, the minor ones they tell you about. Did you have um, a, a, a abdominal pain? Was it mild, moderate, or severe? And did it require hospitalization or an ER visit? Mm -hmm. Um, Diarrhea, um, arm swelling, a fever, uh, muscle, just muscle aches. um, uh, Those symptoms, like COVID symptoms, okay? There is nowhere to put that you have electrical shocks up and down your spine, that you um, have um, what your fingers and toes are white, that you have a rash all over your body, that you have blisters in your throat, that you, um, feel like your heart is being ripped out through your neck. None of that, <laughs> there's nowhere to put that on the app. There's nowhere to document it. The instructions are you call the trial line call. You don't email you call. Now okay. we did email just we had documentation. That is how you report your other symptoms. That's it, and it's only monitored for a short period of time. Okay, so after to each this dose.
0: day, to this day, and, you don't yeah. know if there's a. It, it makes sense they wouldn't use theirs because you'd use something even better. It's a finite mm-hmm. number of people. You want to. It's the trial. You want to scrutinize it. This yeah. is what you're going to learn from. So they have their own thing. That's even better. Awesome. So to this day, do you see a report?
1: No, we don't know what was. I have asked when when I did talk to the FDA. I said I want to know what was reported. For Maddie's side effects, and they were supposed to get back to me, and, and never told me they were supposed to get back to me. And we have asked the principal investigator repeatedly. He goes, "All of her symptoms." I go, which, "Which which ones?" We even have a recorded phone call with um, one of the trial people that worked at the trial because they had called about something else, um, and we, my husband, like interrogated them. We have that recorded. Still have not gotten an answer. The only thing that showed up on the EUA, okay, in there, because I know which, who was Maddie, because there were only three people that they said that had severe reactions. It was functional abdominal pain and paresthesia. That is all they reported. That wow. was all that was on the EUA. Functional abdominal pain, Google it. That, that is pain.
0: so eerie, Stephanie, because...
1: And in, in, in paresthesia is pins and needles. It's like if your hand falls asleep and then comes back. <laughs> That oh is all gosh. they reported. I know what was her. I know because there's and then but there's other kids in there that they had explained away that they were taken out of the trial because of um psychological things. So they were not psychological. I guarantee you they weren't. They had adverse reactions too. And they were just <laughs> able to explain them away and try like but we just kept fighting
0: so here's but, the important thing in there. what you're saying is that see everyone's sitting and debating what we see on their document oh well you know this is bad and even on their document it doesn't look very good especially the baby trial it looks insane but what you're saying yeah. is you can't even trust the raw data because essentially well, the whole point is
1: data so i don't they haven't released i don't think the raw data for the 12 to 3, that that trial yet i don't think maybe they did I thought it was just the adults that I mean they're releasing a certain amount of pages each whatever right
0: Yeah I mean they they are but I don't, but we don't have you know who's who obviously right. in yes. in the trials well, but I you're I can
1: tell you yeah I know my daughter's number so I have my daughters and my two sons I have their numbers in the like in in, in the, the lawyers have it so
0: so it's a brilliant tactic. Typically you do a, ch- a clinical trial to see if there's problems. Any problem you just say it's not from the vaccine. See right. no evil, hear yeah. no evil. So there you go. Um and That's and, what they did. Yeah. And, so they what you're saying is due to anxiety The clinical trial was central. essentially a microcosm of what happened, which is that there were a lot of issues, but there's no issues because all yeah. those issues are in your mind. They're either they're yeah. not from the vaccine, yeah. they're a coincidence, you're imagining mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. I can, I mean, this well, is worse than only, I thought. If you
1: only do tests, if you only do tests that you, they know what tests are going to show things. They know what tests to do and when they will show things and when they should wait to do tests. Like they didn't do an MRI for spine until March. That was two months after all this happened. Two months. They never did, uh, um, a lumbar puncture. Never did that. That would have showed something.
0: They yeah, This is
1: nothing. They just you if you don't do tests that will if you it's like you can manipulate the data. You just I mean, they knew, as you know, from that one document, the different things that could have happened with it. They know with those different, you know, things that occur. A lot of them are autoimmune that these are the tests that can confirm it. Yep. So if you don't do those tests, then, they, then you won't confirm it.
0: Yep. Yep. And, so and, and t- it
1: didn't happen.
0: It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Meaning, unless you could prove beyond a shadow of a doubt with the scientific method that this is what yeah. it is, well, who's to say? It could be a twelve year old the next day became paralyzed. You know, that's stuff happens yeah. all the time.
1: That <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: sure. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what they're doing now, whereas typically the Nuremberg code would dictate the opposite, right? That, you know, yeah. you have a clinical trial. Look, if we see any issue, we're gonna assume mm-hmm. it's a problem nope. unless we can rule nope. it out, and then that's you opposite. go on from there. I I can't believe it. And
1: in the beginning, the whole thing we over, this is another, because this is another way that they could explain it away. Well, we don't know if she got the vaccine or the placebo. I'm like, I have three kids in the trial and I know which one's got something. I can tell you my middle son got the placebo because he has had zero reaction. He also, by the way, has not gotten COVID yet. He's got the he never got the vaccine. He never here. got covid never but, got,
0: but Maddie did, never right? Got
1: COVID, never, Maddie did. Yeah, Maddie just had it um <laughs> in the end the end of um May this year. She she got covid and then two weeks at, um yeah, two weeks after that she got even they're trying to say it was the flu we don't know. She got really sick, like high fever, like it was well 103.7 um, she was shaking. She, I mean, it was like, she was really sick. She's still sick. She still has like a sore wow. throat. The fever finally broke after like five or six days. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So I don't, it's her body probably reacting from having COVID two weeks later. And this was reported to the, um, the trial cause she's still in the trial. All, and all they're doing right now to monitor is they ask if you you fill out on the app, if you have basically COVID symptoms, have you had a fever, sore throat, um, nausea, vomiting, you know, nausea, like just basically have you had, you know, when you go and they're basically screening you for COVID, have you had blah, 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 blah. That's basically what the app, and it's a yes or no. And then have you tested positive for COVID? Yes or no. And that's it. And then they call you. So they called us for both occasions. And what's supposed to happen with the COVID, um, when she did have COVID, is they're supposed to, we have these at-home tests. Well, I didn't, I told you we're on the West Coast getting treatment. Um, I didn't bring those with me. So I told them that. I'm like, I said, I can have my husband send the ones from at home or you can send them to me here. Um, I was like, but I don't have them here. And they're like, oh, well, we'll just bypass that. So they're not even following protocol.
0: Um, you know, I'm just thinking that 38-page Pfizer document that was only uncovered through the court, it listed nine pages of known mal- maladies as of February 2020, and I didn't count them exactly, but it's a, it's a little over a 1,000, I think, if you would count them all up. And people have gone through them, and there's almost an academic paper or case study on every single one that we have that we could point to a piece of literature on it. And and none of those you're saying are even an option. They don't have a database to fill them out. Um I I don't know I don't even know what to say. We're pretty much out of time, but real quick, mm-hmm. did anyone in media academia science medicine reach out to you upon hearing your story?
1: Um media uh, science? No, like nobody. They need to do a study. Or anything. But, oh no, no, no.
0: No, nope. no interest. No,
1: nope. Nope. nope, nobody.
0: Sudden and teenage uh, paralysis syndrome. Like, yeah. So that that uh, happens. Um no. And did the media, like local media, show any interest?
1: No, because it's Cincinnati Children's Hospital. They're like, oh, I- they, there's there's plenty of stories about. How they did the COVID vaccine trials and how they put Cincinnati like on the map and blah 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 like about the trial they're all with Dr. Robert Frank, yes.
0: Oh, I see. I'm I'm in central Maryland. Nobody
1: has nobody reported on this. The only, <laughs> the only ones the closest to mainstream media was tucker carlson and also fox and friends did an interview with me the fox and friends interview has disappeared it's like it never happened never happened it aired live and then there was it's you can't find it's nowhere i mean it happened um but it's nowhere the tucker carlson is that that interview is still out there those are the only like other than i've done tons of interviews like but not with any
0: no, they're like commentators. Maybe. They're they're people like me or whatever. But it should yeah. be, you would think, yeah. the local or Ohio Fox, Dayton yeah. nope,
1: nope, media maybe.
0: would find interest. I had,
1: I so I had people reach out to me and I agreed to do it, and none of them followed through. Yeah,
0: none of them. yeah. I mean, where I live in Maryland, Johns Hopkins looms large. So I could imagine that it's, it's just, a similar yeah, dynamic thing. where it's just there's certain uh, yep. untouchables that uh, you just kind of yep. don't go there. Um man did well, you Pfizer yeah.
1: owns them uh, Pfizer owns mainstream media it's like all their advertisements and stuff i mean they'd lose their funding yeah. we're
0: learning yeah. that <laughs> you don't you don't cross Pfizer um did you verify the lot uh the lot you know the the, the lot number so where it the came lots from
1: are different for the trial they uh. don't like follow the same it was a different um it it was it's not the same but yeah we I somebody had asked me about that. And even the, this, I don't have it in front of me, but the way the serial number is for it, that's on her card, which by the way, they sent us, (laughs) this is how screwed up they are. They sent us her card and it only had that she had one dose. We're like, um, she, well, it only had like the information for one dose. So they just sent us a new card with the actual two doses on it. Didn't just fix the one. So we have two cards for her for the COVID vaccine. One has that she had one dose, and the other one has that she had two doses. Two separate cards.
0: Wow! Yeah. Wow! I mean, this is this is really something else. This is I'm just speechless. I mean, I'm I'm rarely speechless. Uh, you know, final point here. There's no way, based on just what we're seeing in the real world, there's no way you're the only story in the clinical Mm-mm. trial. Have you heard of anyone else? Has anyone else spoken yeah. out?
1: Yes, um, in Argentina, it's Gustavo, and I'm, I forget his, um, Gustavo, no, not Gustavo, Augusto.
0: Augusto, Sorry. the lawyer from, from Buenos yes. Aires.
1: Yes, he is, for the clinical trial for Pfizer, he's the only other person I know that spoke out. Um, for AstraZeneca, um, Brianne Dressen, and then for Moderna, I know Olivia, and I forget her last name, yeah. um, she has spoken out so um, but like you said even people. your
0: thing even your case people like me only found out about it by accident and it was really one of your attorneys that I happened to know and you know so that's it right. came to life at the time but I could easily see based on everything you're describing how even though your your daughter's reaction was so severe and so immediate uh, that mm-hmm. could have gotten swept up and they, pretty much did, and yeah. we would have never known about it. So certainly with other people...
1: Oh, there's um, more. Yeah.
0: I mean, oh my gosh. Well, um, boy, we can go on and on. I, I thank you for your generous time. Is there any way that the audience could could help? Do you have a crowdsourcing page, whether it's medical bills, legal bills? Is there any way people could help? Uh,
1: yes, Maddie does have a... It's a life funder account. Um, uh, I, a lot of the sites... Um, scrutinize if yes. it's a vaccine injury and get taken away. So it's um, life funder, and then you it's slash Maddie. Um, but if you do a, if you Google, I can send it to you the link. Um, um, but if you Google, yeah, life, life Thunder, Maddie, Maddie.
0: And by the way, that says Maddie Gary, as in yeah. Madeline M A D D I E. Yeah, I'm seeing it. Yeah. It comes up right away. So you know, until they yeah. zap it, at least. So I, yeah. folks, I, I really cannot. Um, underscore this. You know, sometimes people go through tragedies and it's terrible, but you know, at the end of the day, there's not much to do. There's not much money here. As we, as we heard, I mean, there's, there's no compensation here. This is going to be, you know, God willing, we're going to get her better, but uh, obviously it's going to take a lot of care and you're pretty much on your own with that. Um, Thank you for sharing your story. Uh, You know, may God be with you with Maddie, Uh, help her get cured. I mean, this could, you know, God could cure anyone at any point. And, you know, we got to make sure that other people have this informed consent, that other people learn just the science behind this, how to detect, how to diagnose, how to treat injury. You can't treat something you refuse to recognize. And this is why this is really, in my view, the number one public policy issue at this point. It is our government's responsibility to take care of it. Um, and But instead, they're moving in the opposite direction. More cohorts, more shots, less scrutiny, no clinical trials. But essentially, you know, I don't feel so bad about what the FDA committee is doing today because what you're telling me is essentially there's no trial anyway. So they're no. just making it official. No. Um, yep. Unbelievable. Yes, sadly. Well, again, we'll be in touch. You'll keep us updated, anything this audience could do. But again... Mm-hmm. Um, I urge everyone to go and obviously donate generously. Life funder Maddie Degary M-A-D-D-I-E-D-E-G-A-R-A-Y. Stephanie, thanks so much, and may God be with you.
1: Thank you for the opportunity to talk and share her story.
0: So folks, Stephanie Degary there, super long show, so we're out of time. But again, there's a lot to digest there. Pretty much everything that we've been going over, for the past year and a half on this in a macro sense, this individual case is foreboding. It, it's exactly what we were going to incur as, as a people, as, as humanity. This is, this is, we're all in the same boat, the entire globe, and it's still going on. This is the game, covered up, see no evil, hear no evil, no compassion, no help, no science, no studies, no informed consent. No guardrails, no Nuremberg. People need to be swinging from a tree. And God willing, we will make that happen. Folks, send me your comments, questions, concerns, your questions for Stephanie. Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com is the email. Till tomorrow, God bless you all. And thank you for listening.